Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the program. We will soon be known as Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio and YouTube. So, welcome. My special guest is Elaine Charles. She is a multi-genre author living in the Pacific Northwest, adeptly balancing her daytime role as an elementary school teacher with her nighttime pursuits as an award-winning poet and fiction writer. Her notable works include, on the fiction side, Young Adult Fantasy, Scene Keepers, which debuted in... <laughs> I'm so glad you're here <laughs> in May 2021. <laughs> I'm trying to stay professional, but I'm just so glad you're here. And it was published by Wild Rose Press. And on the poetry side, her recently published poetry collection, Three Hearts Stitched, published by Gret Lake Books. Tonight marks Lane's second appearance on this podcast. And I am absolutely ecstatic that she's with us. Let's extend a warm welcome to Elaine Charles. Hello. Thank you. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. The first time was in 2020. I know. Time flies. (laughs) (laughs) Whether you're having fun or not. I had one poetry book out then, and and the fiction books were just in process. So now I've uh, grown a lot, I think. Well... Let's begin this poetic journey. Okay. I'd like to know first, before we begin, your newest work. What inspired what inspired you to write the book? You know, I think this book's been in my heart for a long time. Um, I just was afraid to put something so personal out. And so it was safer to write poems about nature and about um, the world that inspired me or fiction and fantasy because it was made up and... And um, that was safe, and it was exciting and fun. And writing this book um, has been a long journey. I actually started it under a different title years ago. And um, I think when I was on your show last time, I had already it was already maybe partially done. Um, I just didn't know what I was going to do with it. And um, I just it was a I guess a way for me to leave a piece of my heart behind to my family. Um, just, I guess I thought once I got brave enough, I could put myself out there. Um, and that's what I did. So. Three stitched heart. Tell me about that title. Well, three hearts stitched. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, it's been a long life. Well, honestly, this <laughs> This book started out as, um, it was called Gravitational Pull, and it was half the size of this. It was way, uh, much smaller. And to me, it was called Gravitational Pull because um, I was born on the coast, on the East Coast, and I was um, I always imagined the beach and always imagined the waves and always imagined 
the shore. And so I had this kind of feeling that all my poems gravitated towards that that theme. Um, but then when I found my publisher, um, Tess Jones from Egret Lake Books, um, I met her about a year ago at a conference and we just happened to be next to each other in this, at this function and got to talking. And I actually wanted to pitch an, a different idea for a poetry book. And I don't know how it came up, you know, my, that I had had this small chat book I had written uh, about my adoption and things like that. And, and um, she wanted to see it and she fell in love with this book. So we still wanted to do the other one, but she wanted to do this one first, but she wanted me to make it much bigger. She wanted me to double it and she wanted me to go deeper and maybe do share my stories, but also other stories, um, other voices. And so this kind of became about the, you know, birth mother voices. Um, it became about all forms of adoption. So birth mother voices, adopting family and child. And my stories and my experience being adopted is in this poetry book, but also other versions of stories um, that were shared to me from other people. And so we just kind of, it was, since it was the three voices and I had a couple of poems that talk about hearts being stitched. Um, it, the title actually changed from gravitational pull to three hearts stitched um, from my publisher, um, Tess. She, she suggested it, and I loved it. So she gets the credit for that. <laughs> and she pulled it from my poems. So the cover itself, talk about the cover. Walk us through the process for creating the cover. Well, you know, again, a lot of that was Tess. She created the drawing. She did. The, the cover is beautiful. Um, I think there's a picture on, her, on, on your site, but mm-hmm. it's got three stripes, three shades of blue for the three voices. And it has, um, and there's really pretty shades of blue. And then there's a, a simple silhouette, black line drawing of flowers. And the flowers are very simple. I thought they were poppies at first, but they're called cosmos. And she drew them. She hand drew these cosmos and we put the title with it, Three Heart Stitched Poems About Adoption. And it just, it just flew. It was beautiful. We actually had another cover at one point that had some hearts and it was a beautiful coral color, but um, she put it to um, a research group and the group thought that that was more like a romance book. And they really saw poetry when they saw this book. And she really wanted something to stand out if people were going to um, search for poetry books and this came up on, um, you know, for them to see, it's just, it's a soft, it's lovely. It's a really thick book. It's, I mean, it's a pretty big book. There's a hundred and I think 160 pages or something. And um, it's just a, it's just real pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty. It's pretty. You know, pretty. the book, the, the overall overarching thing, Primarily adoptions, am I correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are flesh that out for us? What are some of the nuances in that that you write about? Okay. Yeah. So originally, like I said, started with my adoption process. So I'm adopted, and I had a wonderful adoption story. I have wonderful parents, and I've always known I was adopted. I've always, you know, I was always told I was chosen, and it was special. Um, I have a sister who's not adopted. She, uh, my parents you know, tried to have children and could not. And so they adopted me. And then um, lo and behold, which often happens after they adopted me, my mom got pregnant. (laughs) So then I, so I have a sister who is my parents' real 
daughter and and I you know I mean blood related whatever <laughs> however you want to say that I grew up never feeling different from them right so mm-hmm. very um, they were very good at, at just you know in fact I grew up people telling me I look like my dad um, so it's just a really you know so I very very much just had a nice adoption story but part of that is my process so even being adopted in a happy home with loving parents and loving sister, a loving family, you still have those moments, you know, in school for heritage projects or when, you know, during puberty, when, you know, you're developing and changing and thinking, why do I, what's, what's wrong with my body or why don't I look like that? Or why, why am I have no one to go to for that? Or, you know, as I got older and I had my own children, you know, I, I hardly thought about my birth mother. I mean, at different times in my life until I had all three of my own children. And when I had, I literally was in the hospital birthing my children and having so, so much emotion and so many feelings as to, oh my gosh, how does someone give their baby away? But then as I, you know, but then you realize it's such a gift, Right. So I also have my sister who uh, has had she has adopted seven children. And so, yes. And so she so here's this. So we have all all these aspects in in my life. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm adopted. She's adopting. I've had my children wondering about my birth parents. And it kind of came down to the fact that you can be adopted and happy and in a loving home and still have those questions still wonder and not it's nothing about how much love you've been given you just still have those questions because it's only natural to have those questions and then the more I talked to other people and I reached out to others to hear other stories I found you know my story was just I mean a speck right just a speck in in the amount of stories that could be there there's so many voices of adoption. There's so many voices of negative and horrible situations, horrible stories in our history of women being um, shamed for, for having like, you know, for being pregnant out of wedlock, having children ripped from them. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just so many heavy things happening. Um, There's, there's women who are addicted to drugs and they don't get to keep their babies, you know, and probably deep in their hearts, they might want to, Um, But they can't because addiction is just gripping with claws, right? So there's just, there's all these versions, there's all these stories. And so I took mine and I just went deeper and wider. And I, I just wanted to cover as many perspectives as I could and honor them, knowing that I wouldn't possibly scratch the surface of all the different, you know, stories out there. So, yes, it's about adoption, um, but it's a lot of different versions of adoption. And my book is separated into three categories. So there are lots of versions of stories in the um, birth mom, you know, different versions of how a birth mom might feel. I used a lot of um, I used a lot of liberties to um, take stories that were told to me and change them and to make them fiction, like fictionalized stories. I also made up stories to answer questions that I always had growing up adopted and wondering. And then I also have my own personal stories in there. And then there's the, um, you know, so there's each category. So the, it's almost like there's three chapters in the poetry book and each chapter has 
many poems. So birth mother, adopting family, child. Well, you've already answered some of my questions already. So. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I like to be So that'll give us more time to listen to your poetry select. Okay. Please share some of your work. Okay. So I chose a few. Um, I'm going to read um, just a, a few poems right now, um, and I'm going to try to pick one from each of my sections. So this is a poem from um, the birth mother section. It's called Your Wings. Your wings, I will set sail to you and free your wings. I will put you adrift until the stars align one day in another world at another time. This won't be our last encounter, not with faith like fire. Our bond is resilient and destined for tomorrow. So I am not sad today as you're lifted from my arms. Those weren't tears you felt on your cheeks. They did not run like rivers to the corners of your eyes, sunken mirrors to mine. Reflections of hope for your constellation, a sign for me. Though we won't meet again for some time, I'll stand. My gaze on the sky at water's edge to catch glimpse of you, your wings ascending to mine. And that's that poem is on page 13, if anyone's following along in their book. <laughs> and then I have another poem called Dear New Baby. It's on page 69, and it's in the section of The Adopted Family. Dear New Baby, I've waited for your arrival, weeks and months and years of procedures and losses, of dandelion wishes and rabbit foot hopes buried under multiple mounds of sorrow. But now you are home. My heart, once crushed to ash and fault, transforms, renews in swirls of astound. Angels sing, a new dawn breaks. My empty womb is full. And on page 77, I have another one from the adoption or adopting family category. And this one is called Always Navigating. Um, this one was inspired by um, a family that I talked to right before the book was going to publish. So it made it in at the last moment. <laughs> Always Navigating. This family and that family, songs from birth and stories about adoption, what's real, what's imagined or made up, how much to divulge, what to hold back until the time is right. When will that time be? Will the truth cause trauma or indifference or lifelong pain? How to navigate the questions, shambolic and so I squash them into a ball, wind my throwing arm and hurl every unknown or God forbid the knowns we wish we did not know into an abyss, awaiting sound and reassuring songs and stories to remain about this family and that family, about adoption and what's real, always navigating what's real. And the last one I'll read for this set is on page 103, or for this little moment before questions. Um, I love this one. This is one of the first ones I wrote when I was first writing my poems, and uh, it's called For the Angels, and it's sort of how I imagined myself as a baby in that little room um, 
after I was born. For the angels. Angels were there that morning in the quiet solitude of your decision, that bitter, excuse me, the bittersweet choice I should thank you for because I have words to speak and tears to shed. In the slowness of that summer heat, you must have suffered. You must have felt bitter or lost or sad. At least part of me hopes it's true. I felt it, you know, that delicate kiss imprinting my soul. Maybe it was you. I like to think it's true sometimes, stretching tails to fall asleep. But I know you closed your eyes that day, as did I with cries unheard and hunger neglected, my comfort a hospital crib to hold such tiny bones. Please don't cry for me. Enough sorrow spread in the light through my window, the one facing the sea. Yet still, there was good. I felt the downy plumes left on my pillow. I felt their warmth across my cheek. I still wonder sometimes it was you who left them there, and I should thank you, but for the angels instead. So that's the end of that little set there. You know, you know how I am. I like to flip the script just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to share that particular piece again, if you don't mind. Oh, and I'd sure. like us to what? focus on it just before we okay. move on to another set. All right? Okay. Yeah. So for the angels, I would love to. <clears throat> for the angels. Angels were there that morning in the quiet solitude of your decision. The bittersweet choice I should thank you for because I have words to speak and tears to shed. In the slowness of that summer heat, you must have suffered. You must have felt bitter or lost or sad, at least part of me hopes it's true. I felt it, you know, that delicate kiss imprinting my soul. Maybe it was you. I like to think it's true sometimes, stretching tails to fall asleep. But I know you closed your eyes that day, as did I with cries unheard and hunger neglected. My comfort, a hospital crib to, to hold such tiny bones. Please don't cry for me. Enough sorrow spread in the light through my window, the one facing the sea, yet still there was good. I felt the downy plumes left on my pillow. I felt their warmth across my cheek. I still wonder sometimes it was you who left them there, and I should thank you, but for the angels instead. Tell me about a line in that particular poem. Okay. Really? stands out to you. Okay. And this one that stands out to me? Yes. One line. I think for me, um, it's definitely, um, where is it at? I, I love this part. I felt the downy plumes left on my pillow. I felt their warmth across my cheek. And I still wonder sometimes it was you who left them there. And I should thank you, but for the angels instead. Um, this is the part I wrote first, and then the poem developed after that. But um, I just kind of feel like um, when I think, I had a lot of dreams at one point when I was younger. I would dream, and I always had dreams of a sunny day at the hospital. Um, back in that year when I was born, I don't dare say. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask. I won't ask. Wait, the tip of my tongue, I won't, but I won't ask. 
<laughs> a long time ago. You were in the hospital. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I this was during um, a time. So I was in a hospital. I was born in a hospital, and I was actually in the hospital for 31 days before I was adopted. And if I wouldn't have been adopted, then I shortly after that, I think you can only stay in the hospital for a month, and then they send you to an orphanage. So um, I... I, I just always had these dreams and these thoughts and these, I don't know, images of myself in a crib by a window by the sea. And um, I just imagined being alone for just a little baby being alone for 31 days, you know, just being all alone. And, you know, I keep thinking, I think it came over me too when I had my own children and held them close and thought, can you imagine a brand new baby just being, you know, left you know not not obviously maybe held by nurses or volunteers or whatever Mm -hmm. but just not the same thing and I just kept thinking there had to be someone else and my poem ended up being like I I was hoping my mom you know my birth mother would probably have had some remorse or some feelings or something I don't know her situation I don't know if it was forced or if she was like see you later (laughs) this is not what I want you know I don't know but I in my heart, it, it made me feel good to think that there was someone watching over me like angels. And so that kept me feeling connected and whole and not left or abandoned. So for you, there's no, was no anger. No, I mean, there's sadness, Sadness, but there's not, there's not anger. I don't feel any anger. I just feel, um, sadness, you know, if, if it wasn't something that she wanted, you know, you know, here's a question that I started asking people since the last time we were together. Mm-hmm. I asked the question, does it hurt you to write poetry in general? Yeah. Yes. And especially this. Um, usually when I write, like when I wrote my my Colors Collected book, mm-hmm. I was excited and, and um, inspired and rejuvenated when I would write my poems. I mean, some of them were heavier than others, but yes. this came from a different spot. So the poems in this in this book, even poems that aren't my story, that are, are another story of someone, you know, that, I've, that I'm sharing in a different way, they are hard. And I cried a lot. I've never cried more with any book I've written. And there's some poems that um, I had to practice and practice and practice reading them aloud because um, I would just cry. <laughs> and I knew that when I was writing this book, I would literally cry. Uh, because they're just real, they hurt, they hurt. Yeah, they hurt. So how many poems did you choose from in terms of selecting for this particular book? How many, what was the selection process like? How many, again, how many poems did you choose from? Well, honestly, I had 36 poems and I ended up, I think there's 69 or 70 poems in here. Um, I should know that number, but I don't. I know my my editor does, <laughs> but I can't remember. No, I can't remember. Um, but she had me double it. She wanted me to double the book. She wanted it to be a full book with a spine. With you know, She wanted it to be a full poetry book and not a small chapbook um, like we usually do in poetry. So that was an exciting challenge, and I had to dig really deep, and that's why I started writing more poems than just my own, and I started answering kind of those what-if question poems, and so it was kind of a nice escape because I got to write different stories, but they didn't hurt any less, right? The ones that brought me joy were the ones that were like 
my happy poems about my own growing up, although those make me cry too, because I feel so thankful and grateful to my parents. And, you know, there's so many people who don't have a happy ending and I feel like I got my happy ending. And so that's, uh, you know, so that then brings emotion. Um, I would think the selection process was different for this book because I actually had to grow it and make it bigger. So we did end up pulling, I think two or three poems that we just decided didn't really quite fit into any of the categories um, or they didn't quite fit, you know, the mood that we were, uh, that we were having the flow. It's almost like a chapter book, like I said, like a novel. So you kind of go from this section of this birth mother and all these different feelings and my editor who placed them, she was the one who placed them in their orders. And I just love it because she starts with the more heavy, sad and ends with that more hopeful. So there's a Mm. sense of, sadness and heavy and then hopeful and then sadness and heavy hopeful and then sadness and heavy hopeful you know at the end with each of the three sections so we only had to remove I think three poems we removed and the rest we kept all right please share some more from you more of your work thank you okay all right so this one is called um they say it's on page 31 I know some people are out there with their books <laughs> okay They say, and this is in the section of the birth mother. Now with time gone by, they say, it was a gift that I set you free because I couldn't care for you. I was too young because I was too something other than everything I was. I was in love with you, though it happened by chance. It doesn't expunge swollen emotions, nine months longing to meet you my aspirations and dreams to kiss your head, to cradle my pinky in your grasp, to hold you when you cry, to tell you I will never leave you and somehow, some way, we would manage just fine. But they sent me away to a safe place, they say. Safe from myself, I suppose, because I was made to feel shame, to feel remorse for my actions by wrongly creating you. Suddenly, I was an abomination to be extinguished, or at the very least, hidden away from the damage I'd become, they say. So it's kind of a heavier one. And then if I go to the adopted adoption family section, I'm trying to do one from each section throughout. Um, this is on page 67, and I love this one. It's called Bundled Gift. And this is kind of how I imagined... Um, you know, you know, the idea of like storks, storks drop a baby. Well, this was kind of my, my idea of storks dropping a baby. <laughs> Bundled gift. Bundled gift delivered as if by storks, as if a favor traded deep within a childhood forest. Enchanted story, fairy tale told, tale after tale after long awaiting, light glimmered a new start. Rumpelstiltskin slept. His name whispered on repeat, 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 as if a lullaby sung, as if a star wish born soared from the dark night of my womb to the bright measure of your heartbeat. Prancing reindeer gift, warm skin, tiny fingers reached as if petals stretched for the sun, as if you were always meant for me, bundled gift. And then 
this last poem for this little set, I guess I only chose three for this set, but I can always keep going. Um, this is called Beauty in a Broken Heart, and this is on page 121 in the um, child section, the adopting, adopted child section. And this is kind of my voice of, this is kind of my message to the people out there. In fact, this is a big thread in this poetry book, is that you can you can be, you know, I can be adopted and have the most loving parents and loving, loving, loving experience and still feel unsure sometimes, right? You still have those questions, like I mentioned before, and that's so natural. And it has nothing to do with the wonderful home I had, right? So it's just kind of a way that I kind of explained it. So it's called Beauty in a Broken Heart. You were wanted and picked out, I promise. Proving words alone cannot mend a broken heart. I know you love me, yet there's no need to internalize my loss. You had the power and saved me. Only you can't take on her sacrifice or burden or mistake. We'll never know. But one thing I know, years of I love you was surely enough. Iris has bloomed along borders of a hole always there. Weeping willows shaded my angst for most years, and you should know how tall I still stand, even with that void notched in my side. Broken heart, still beautiful because of you. So this is kind of like a little personal note to my parents that they made my life wonderful, and those willows and that board, that border of irises that was from my childhood home. So <laughs> that's a very personal poem for me. Well, I'd like you to follow the same process again. Please read one of those three again, and we'll talk about it in detail. Okay, okay. Which, let's see, do you want me to do...
This one I reworked a lot because it went in a lot of different directions. And I really wanted to get as many little moments of childhood fairy tale, like Rumpelstiltskin and prancing reindeers and um, just all those things. So I think, honestly, my favorite is the very beginning where, um, well... I do guess I love the one where it says, as if a star wish born soared from the dark night of my womb to the bright measure of your heartbeats. I love that. I love that line. So when you write, how does a poem know where to go? Do you lead? Does it lead you? Hmm. That's a good question. I think both. Um, A lot of times I will get struck by a memory or a moment, especially with this book, um, or a a sense of joy, a sense of gratitude, a sense of um, sadness, whatever it might be. And I would just sit down and lines would just pour out. And so in that situation, those poems wrote themselves. And then as I was nearing the end of this poem, my amazing editor, Tess, um, you know, as I was looking to see, I was trying to keep track of like, well, um, she really wanted to, to encourage me to do the three sections, right? Yes. So I have, I wanted to make sure I had kind of ample, you know, without forcing it. Obviously, I didn't want to force any poetry. Um, so I wanted to have enough poems for each section. So it took a while. So I, I spent a year writing this book, um, taking the original one that I told you I, that was once called Gravitational Pull that was 30, 39 poems. I started there and then I grew it over. It took a year to grow and I would just let myself feel things. And then, you know, because I was, you know, sort of meditating on this idea or thinking about this book. And so I would kind of those, you know, those memories and moments came. The other part that happened is I had some amazing conversations with other people, just some amazing people that I ran into and it's so funny because the the closer this book got to being completed, the more people I would meet that were adoption touched and sharing their stories with me that I didn't even know. And at at, at one point, of course, the the, the store, you know, the book was locked and done, and I couldn't add or change anything. And um, I met more people with adoption stories, and so this is just. I love the idea that this is opening this conversation of adoption yes. in a really loving way. That doesn't, you know, I wanted to not do the political side. I'm not talking pro-choice or pro-life with anyone. This is all about just this gift of adoption. And um, I just, those stories that I heard from other people were so, they were inspiring to me. So for me, those stories were like a challenge. So the stories I heard later and as I was trying to make each of the sections kind of balance those were the ones where I was challenging myself and I was actually trying to write the poem and I was stretching it and pulling it and knitting it together, pulling out my threads, trying again until it felt right. Right. So those I were, I don't think it was any, there any less meaningful because it was like, I wanted to make the story someone told me and I had to weave it into a way that was that was more fictionalized, right? So that I didn't, you know, my publisher didn't want to have to do all that, you know, permissions <laughs> from everyone. So I took all my stories with permission from them to switch and change and mold into 
you know, a new story um, with the essence of their story they told me. And um, so those were challenges that I had to mold like clay, where my other poems that were just fell out of me onto the page practically wrote themselves. So I guess <laughs> that was a long-winded answer to say both. <laughs> I do Perfect. both ways. Perfect. We're going to take a short break. But what I'd like you to do when we return, I'd like you to share with me the titles of five poems, just any five poems in the book. All right? Okay. Sounds good. We'll be right back. All right. when I have 70, you know, 69, 70 poems. <laughs> so, Just pick any five. <laughs> okay. All right, any here's five. my five. Uh, maybe it's six. Okay, so I have, um, oh my gosh, so many. So My Greatest Mistake, My Prison, Forever Family, Thumbprint Faces, um, and then Have You Ever Thought About Finding Your Birth Parents? Those are, the, those are some titles I have. Thank you. My question is, when titling a poem, what should you consider? Mm. A lot of times, a lot of my poems will be the first line. So um, when I first write a poem, the first line of, is always the title of my poem. And then as I work on the poems and revise or go back, sometimes I'll find, you know, as I'm reading it, I'll think, oh, ooh, this is this is the title. This is the title. And it'll I'll, I'll, I'll kind of um, tease that out. Um, sometimes I have a title in my head and the poem writes from that. Like that's the poem. Like I think of the title and that's the poem I want to write. And then other times I write the poem and just, I guess, for pure laziness or so that I can know what poem I'm talking about, I'll just give it the first line. And then usually I'll either keep it the first line or I'll often do the last line. That just tends to be what I do. But um, this one was a little bit different because as I was going through and writing so many poems about the same, you know, almost 70 poems with the same topic, um, I had to get creative and I changed a lot of titles. And then that made me not know which one was which. <laughs> so as I was like, oh, what did I call that? <laughs> I'd have to go through and find the poem I was talking about because in my head it was something else, but I changed it. <laughs> so I don't know. That's kind of my process. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Please share some of your poems from the book. Okay. Um, 
Okay. So this poem is from the birth mother, or excuse me, yeah, birth mother section. It's on page 27. And this is kind of a, this is a hard one. This is a heavy poem. And I, this poem gets me, I think I'll be okay, but I usually get really emotional when I read this poem. Um, I, I know of many um, women that this describes in a way, like I said, I've taken stories that I've that I fictionalized, um, but the essence of all this is um, is reality. And so there's a lot of um, mothers that are having babies because they're in a compromised situation and they're not safe. And, um, and it just ends up being a sad situation, uh, you know, a sad part of their life. So anyway, I'll just, I'll read the poem without going into too much more detail. It's called How Many Babies? This baby is the third child, I mean fifth child, I mean ninth child, unwanted pregnancy I've carried. Maybe I wanted them all, secretly, in my heart. Sometimes when I'm alone, at night, or in the early stretches of dawn, while the world still sleeps, I hold my belly and dream of a different girl, growing up in a different world, where my mother protects me from the dangers of oppression and fear, pain and guilt and the lowly acceptance of who I am, which in the eyes of everyone around me, I am nothing. I am unworthy. I am undeserving. I am an animal in a cage. And when they feed me, I eat. And so this new baby that I carry once again can simply slip away with the rising sun for I am awake now. My dream is done. So that's the end of that one. And that one, look, give me chills. Like, I just get chills when I <sighs> read that one. Um, another one. These are my heavy ones. I made my set three is heavy. Okay. <laughs> so page 65 is in the adoption section. This I wrote for my sister. Um, she had adopted. Um, she had she's adopted, like I said, seven children. And, um, she'd had a little baby girl that she adopted and, um, the mother changed her mind. I actually have a few poems about moms changing their mind, which is a fair thing to happen, but it hurts nonetheless. And so, um, this is my, this is for my sister. It's called goodbye, baby girl. She wipes joy from baby girl's cheeks. Her eyes close tight as puddles run rivulets over mountaintops. Baby girl tries to sleep, unaware the tears aren't hers to shed. She's been here before, on these battlegrounds, armored in vulnerability. She's walked these floors at night, both hands on her lower back, burden in her belly, heart burning the scorn of loss. Nausea coats her throat, but she'll volunteer again and again, offering the crook of her arm for the unwanted she can't have. One last time, she bends over baby girl. Birth mother changed her mind. She whispers blessings, carries her tiny vessel onward to deliver. No need to look back. The moment forever marked in tear stains over mountaintops. Whew, I almost cried on that one. Um, that's a hard one for me to read. <laughs> okay. And now another heavy one. Oh, my goodness. 
um, page 141, this is in the adopt or birth child or the, you know, adopt, sorry, <laughs> the adopted child. Um, and this one's called 141. Sorry, I went to the wrong page. This is called rejection. <laughs> rejection is real. Even when you're told you are chosen, you are wanted, you are loved, and still somehow there's a little snag at the bottom left side of your heart, a loose thread jostled by the slightest movement, barely a brush or a breeze scratching gently as if not to harm, only a reminder in case you forget. And that's what I have for that section, although those are pretty short. I can keep going if you want. <laughs> well, instead of my asking you to share one of those three again, can you think of a line in any one of those that as you crafted it, it seemed to be the most challenging to do? That one mm. line. You know, uh, in the poem rejection, the one I just read, um, it was really hard for me to figure out how to show that, that, that it's real, even when you're wanted and loved and that's okay. And so I, it was really hard for me. And I finally rested on the part that it's like a little teeny loose thread in your heart. So when I wrote the part, you know, there's a little snag at the bottom left side of your heart, a loose thread jostled by the slightest movement, just barely a brush or a breeze, scratching gently as if not to harm, only a reminder in case you forget. And I think it's because sometimes, you know, you, you live your life and you don't even think about it, right? I mean, being adopted is just, I always knew I was adopted, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a surprise or anything I had to learn about. And, um, but there's always just that little section of like, where you just wonder and you have questions, right? And so it's just, you'll go on your life and you'll go forever and not think about it. Like, for example, when I hadn't thought about being adopted or having a, a birth mom or dad out there, and then I had my first baby and I'm in the hospital and I was just overwhelmed with emotion and I couldn't shake it. And so that's that snag that I think it's just always going to be there to remind you, you know. So with this book of poems, this selection, this collection, rather, are you hoping to resonate with a broad range of readers, or are you targeting a specific audience? Because like you said earlier, maybe this is before we began, that your work is universal in a sense. Mm -hmm. It's about longing and sometimes not feeling as if you belong. You know, so yeah. it's universal in that regard. So what's your focus in terms of the audience? Yeah, you know, um, at first, it seemed like it was a niche, like it was just poems about adoption. And if you I was really writing to those people to birth mothers, um, who often we don't know who they are anymore. I mean, there's a lot of open adoptions now. Mm -hmm. So mothers can come forward when I was adopted, it was all closed and locked down. So we don't know. But um, or or people who are adopted have all different kinds. There's fostering to adopt. There's adoption. There's adoption at all different ages. There's positive adoption situations. There's negative adoption situations. There's just so many forms. And then adopting families going through all kinds of, you know, situations. And I, I thought that's my niche. That's the direction I want to go. And then suddenly I got scared at the end thinking, wow, is this, 
you know, this can only be enjoyed by those people or those readers. And then I didn't, I felt like, I felt like it was that that what couldn't be true because I, like you said, this book has so much more. And the yes. more people I was reading my poems to, the more open and the more people that my poems resonated with them. And the feedback I got back was that, wow, these are, these are about like mothers can relate. Women can relate. Men can relate. I had a, I had a, I've had some great reviews by by men actually, and I have a couple poems about fathers. And I had a great um, some one of my readers got a hold of me and thanked me for that poem about um, having that father's voice. So um, I love that it can resonate with humans. Humans all have stories, and we all want to belong. We all have a birth story, even if it's with our, you know you know, blood related parents, you know, or biological parents, or maybe um, it's step parents, maybe it's um, neighbors or grandparents that raised us, you know, and so I think that these poems kind of match with anyone, right? Because we're all adopted into this world. I mean, we get adopted by our friends, we get adopted by our friends, family, I mean, all those things. So I think it is more universal now. And you may have already answered this, but if you could advise your readers before they purchase the book, any advice, what would it be? And I guess I'm thinking is that adoption is bigger than adoption. Because as you just said, you can be adopted by your friends. <laughs> we adopt friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's, like, it's a huge universal concept in itself. So, I mean, I'm just wondering, what, what would you share with someone? You know, what I've been telling people is that the book is – you know, if you're looking for a book that has a little bit of sorrow, you want to feel some, you know, sometimes you just want to feel that sadness and sorrow and get those emotions out. You know, maybe you've had some childhood trauma. This might help you through that. Um, Maybe you, but there's always the joy. I always end, you know, there's always hope. There's, there's pieces with joy and hope and so much gratitude. And so it's really a book where, and honestly, my editor, came up with this. Tess Jones is amazing. She came up with um, my little, I don't know, uh, blurb about the book. And she said, it's like this, um, be prepared to have your heart ripped open, mourn and stitched back up again. (laughs) Right. So I feel like if you are a reader who, if you like poetry and even I've been told because it's contemporary poetry and it's not, um, you know, it's not heavy. It's not real heavy literary, you know, like it's very, I, I feel like it's very easy reading. So a reader who, yeah. And I've been told a lot too. And that's actually my focus. I always want my poems to be enjoyed by everyone, by anyone. I don't want anyone to pick it up and go, Oh, this is really confusing. I don't understand this. Or, um, you know, I, I just want, I mean, I want it to be I want them to try to be able to figure things out because there's lots of layers, but I want my poems to be enjoyed by anyone. And I think that if you're looking for, if you enjoy some poetry or this sort of reads because of the way my editor put it together into the chapters and the sections, it sort of reads like a story of their adoption stories, you know, if you will. There are all these little adoption stories, these little moments of peeking into someone else's life because we don't know who we're going to meet on the street or who we work with or who we're in line behind that has a story or that's going through feelings or emotions. You know, like I said, I had my baby in the hospital and I was all of a sudden overwhelmed with emotion. So I think this book is good for people who do like poetry, obviously. I think it's good for people who are adoption touched or not. And if you just like to read poems about the human heart, 
right? The human heart and that we all have stories. Please share another set, if you don't mind. Sure, I'd love to. Okay, I'm moving into my section of um, uh, requested poems. I I don't think I can get them all in, but I did have some requested poems, and so I want to read a few of those. So um, this one was requested. It's called, it's in the beginning section of the birth uh, birth mother. It's on page 29, and it's called, I am not a monster. Uh, And this is the last poem that I wrote to put in here. Um, It's interesting. It always stands out. This was the last one I wanted to make sure I added this voice for sure. I am not a monster. I don't want you right now, but I don't want you not to be. So please understand down the road when you wonder about your past, when you wonder about me, if you do wonder about me, I am not a monster. I am not a monster. I am not a monster. I just couldn't be the person you needed me to be. Um, that one is um, just sort of a, a poem about, you know, sometimes we just don't know why someone decides to give up a child. And sometimes it just might be that they just can't do it right now. And that's okay. That's okay. And they aren't a monster for that because they, you know, went ahead and, you know, passed that on to someone who, like all these adopting families are just so grateful, right? So grateful. So um, that was what that poem was about. And then I love this next poem. This next poem was another request and it's on page 113. And this one is about um, my family. Uh, It's called The Mix of Us. This one's a personal one for me. The mix of us. Her ultimate sacrifice became our miracle. And I don't quite have all the words to adequately say how I feel, to show you my true gratitude. I wonder, does my sister, fully yours, ponder in her thoughts about appreciation and pride, about relaying to you her thankfulness for life? I don't know if her burden is as heavy, though not to compare that thread you stitched between us neatly, respected the only difference in our eyes. Thankfully, you never cared from where I came. You only threw me into the mix of us, our great togetherness from her ultimate gift. And then another request is Oh, I love this one, too. Uh, It's back to page, uh, I don't know why I did that order, page 37. It's back in the birth mother section. And this was a request from someone. I don't want to say their names in case they don't want me to. (laughs) My greatest (laughs) achievement. He is the single greatest achievement of my life. The baby boy I carried for you. The baby boy I loved first for you. At every moment, he was always meant to be yours and then another one that was requested is um, page 133 and I don't know this one looks better on the page than reading it aloud but I'll do my best it's called set free I love you I love you to the mother who raised me I love you to the father who called me his own I love you to the mother and father who left me 
shared me, chose a new path for me. I love you even if you didn't love me or the world oppressed you with their rules at the time. I love you because even in joyful delight or unrighteous sorrow, I was set free. And that was my little set for that. Jelaine. Yes. What do you think that your poetry, in this book and or in general, or your writing in general, what do you think it conveys about the human condition? Mm. You know, I, I, even all my poems, even like poems about the forest or nature, which I'm really inspired by, um, by nature, there, there's always a sense of life. There's always, there's always a lifeline. There's always a thread pulsing. There's always a, um, there, or a heartbeat pulsing. There's a, um, I just feel like even in the saddest moments or if I'm writing about a beautiful tree or um, the sun shining through the window pane or, um, you know, you know, the, the trauma in the world right now, like horrible trauma. Um, so much. That, yeah, there's just so much going on. And I really feel like I, I just always want to make my poems almost alive a little bit. Like, I just feel like for me, poetry and my work and my writing, even my fiction writing, I just, if there's a thread or a pulse or a, something that draws you through from beginning, middle, end, like there's a, there's a story there. There's a heartbeat there. There's emotions and feelings and growth there. And I always, even in my heavy, heavy heart poems, try to have a little bit of hope, always a little bit of light at the end. So, so with this particular book, what did you learn about yourself? You know, I learned that, first of all, there's so many more stories than just mine, which I think I already knew that. But when I first set out to write this book, I was really trying to write my story. And then I realized there were so many voices I wanted to include with my voice. I just, it couldn't just be me. And so I guess what I've learned is with all my stories, I want, I want it to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm looking, I'm thinking about art. You know, when you see a piece of art or, you know, you, the artist might have thought one thing when they were painting, right. Or creating or writing or playing a musical piece, but then the reader or the listener or the observer picks up something completely new or different. I love that. That's, I love that. I love when they, when people relate to what you want, that what you were relating to, because then you've got that kind of connection, like, yes, that's exactly what I was. That's what I meant. But then I also love that kind of um, inspiring, open, um, just that, that surprise of when something new, like I've had people tell me that my pieces have touched them in a way that I had never intended. And that's the kind of writing I want to always continue to do. That, that's the purpose for this book. Like I said, you know, it's, it's about adoption, but I've learned that this is about much more than, than that, right? And I think it can touch people in, in many more ways than I have even, than I can even begin to think. You know, you almost reached the of this poetic journey 
But I'm wondering, do you have one more set in you that you can yes. share with us? I can do go? it. I've got one more set ready to go. <laughs> okay. So right. I decided to end with, um, let's see. I did. Okay, so I'll do this one. Page 21. This is a back to birth mother. This one I almost didn't read in case my family's listening, <laughs> but I'm doing it anyway. Um, so I wrote this poem. It's called My Greatest Mistake. And it was one of those poems that I kind of wrote imagining what what may I always like what was that night like you know when I was conceived what was that like what were my was you know were my parents dating was it a one-night stand was it a you know I don't know what was it um hoping it wasn't anything you know negative or bad I was going on the, the happy side and I came up with this image in my mind and um this is what came of it it's cut, and so I made it up. <laughs> my greatest mistake. This is, my, this is me answering my what if question, those adoption what if questions. My greatest mistake. My error in judgment wasn't that night because I chose that November moment between the Sanberry cattails and picket fence. I rolled out the patchwork quilt from Gran, though she'd have turned in her grave had she seen the tub of fries and cans of beer set out between us. Surely she'd have blushed had she heard the smack of my lips on his, the rip of my skirt zipper not quite swallowed up by the swells of the gulf behind us. Music played from his car radio, but I can't remember the song because his breath was in my ear, along with the waves and kisses, but his hands were on my heart, but his hands on my heart stilled me, and I wanted him. I wanted him. I wanted he left after that. I replayed the moment over and over in my head, though I told no one until I discovered his valentine tucked deeply away in my soul. I stood on the sand that day, winter blowing my hair, but there was no sound. Maybe my greatest mistake was saying nothing on that shore. I was too quiet and too young and too something far less daring than the pounding waves. I just wasn't ready when you were. I needed to grow. At least that's what I tell myself every November when I lay out Grand's patchwork quilt across the white sands and cut pink paper hearts to hide under shells and bury along the shore behind the cattails waving hello. Maybe you'll find one. Maybe my littered heartstrings will be the crumbs we need to reunite because I'm braver than I was back then, more courageous than the seagulls swiping french fries from my hand and wiping, and, and the wind wiping the beach clean, clean, clean. My greatest mistake wasn't that night. And then I have another one. This one is very special to me. <laughs> and it, I wrote it for my mom, and it... This is one that I used to cry because it just means so much. It's on page 111, 111, three number ones from my mom. Okay. Stubborn and strong. It's called Stubborn and Strong. <laughs> <laughs> my mother smiled or rather smirked to the world at one time, telling her she would never hold her desire. And instead, my mother, stubborn and strong, said, I don't care and did it anyway. 
And she did any way. She picked me up and held me close while my father decided I looked like him. And I did. Then my sister came most naturally. And for my mother, stubborn and strong, everything fit in the world because she smiled and made it so. And then, you know what I did on my list? I have the last poem I was going to read is one I already read. (laughs) So I don't know. Do you have a section you want me to choose from or? Let's um, see. Like an, let's or let's, like a heavy let's or a, end with on a ray of hope. Okay. Ray well, of how, hope. I'd love that. How about um, how about this one? It's short. Do you want a short one? Yes. Oh, I should read this. This is awesome. Okay, I'll read this one. Sure. <laughs> um. This one's personal again. This is my this is my family. This is totally my family. Um, she's Portuguese and I'm adopted. This is what this is called because my sister was born in the Azores. She's Portuguese and I'm adopted. I recited at a young age amidst joyful faces and hidden chuckles. It was the fortitude of my childhood, a masterpiece in the making, painted in broad strokes for permanence, blue skies and my daddy fixing anything broken even bones, and then my heart. Mama worked as a nurse and picked berries for canning, daddy fixing, mama mixing. Summers were colored with you're fine or time for bed and always I love you with strawberry jam. Winter wonderlands fell during the night, but only footprints in the backyard or on mountaintops bundled up and cocoa from the thermos. This was my life, never distinguished borders dividing, You look like your dad, they'd say, heritage woven thick. And that's, I mean, I have so many more I could read, but boy, (laughs) I love, you know, the more I read my poems for people, the more I just, I really love this book. This this is the most personal, intimate thing I've written. And um, it's just really. I was just thinking that maybe you'll come back for part two later in the year. I would love that. I'd be happy. And we to can do that. structure the program any way that you'd like to do it. I mean, other writers with similar stories. I mean, however, we can uh, we can brainstorm something. How's that sound? Yeah, that'd be a great idea. Maybe lo- a little panel or other, if yes. you know, other yes. authors that are writing about. Yes. Yeah, yes. I would love to be a part of that. <laughs> and and because we're moving to YouTube, it oh, it'll yeah. be take on a different kind of onus habit where people can see everyone. So oh, I would love that. Just yeah. keep talking. I would love to do that. I love to talk. I'm a talker. <laughs> That's why you've always been my favorite. So, so where can where can three heart stitched be purchased? Where can we find the book? Yeah, it's on any online um, retailer. So Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Um, Target, uh, BookBub, any place that you want to go um, online, and it's in print, and it's also in um, an ebook. So, any of those online places that you want to go. And Very if you last. do buy this book, I would love a review. <laughs> I have to ask okay, for a review. I used to never do that, but honestly, authors need reviews. That's how we get our books in front of eyes. You know, that's you know. 
um, Amazon and even Barnes and Noble, they all have a, an algorithm, right? And so mm-hmm. if you don't have enough reviews, then your book just gets swallowed up. So it'd be great. Thank you in advance for anyone who's out there wanting to do that. <laughs> all right. So please review this book. Yeah. So like, what's, what's next for you creatively? Where do you go from here? I am so busy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, back to my fiction side, I am writing, I've, I'm in the process of writing two books, um, two fiction books right now. And I also have another novella that I finished that will come out next October. And then for poetry, um, you know, as soon as I take, you know, I'm marketing this one and trying to ride this one out and get it, people excited about buying it. And then I have another little poetry project that I'm jumping into feet first because that's what I do. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping that my new one, I won't give too much away, but it'll have a little bit of a Seattle theme. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank you for joining me. Again, this is the very last episode of Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio. We're moving into Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio at YouTube. So this Yay! is a very <laughs> monumental moment, and I want to thank you. I got to take you out <laughs> and then into the new. Into the new. <laughs> <laughs> You are welcome back anytime. I wish you nothing but the best. I think what you're doing is phenomenal. You're you're sharing about a topic that needs to be talked about more and more and more and more and more, including the men's voices as well. That's that's so integral to this to the whole equation. That's half the equation in many situations. So in all situations, for the most part. Yeah. It's so it's often that you just don't hear. Um, I I could read my father poem if you want. It's really short. I love to. I love to. <laughs> um, do we have time? Let's not leave out dad. Let's not leave out dad. All right. <laughs> I know we gotta leave out the dad. Okay, it's called Forgotten Father. <laughs> we don't want to leave him out. It's called Forgotten Father, <laughs> and uh, it goes like this: Forgotten Father, Forgotten Father, snagged between the pages, memories of mother and child, while words trickle like the creek behind grandma's house buttercups like periods and exclamation points. The story ends there. The end. The end. Has never had a chance to begin. Too many unknowns. The wonderings of what if. What if he never knew a baby to be? What if shadows were all he left behind? What if the pain was too great for him or her or them to stay? What if he only donated this piece of himself for a cause? One greater than himself. What if he wanted the baby but had no voice or choice? What if I tug on this snag? What if I write a new page? So that was just kind of the idea that it's just real short and just all those different, like, possibilities of, you know, we so often just go right to the mom. Yes. (laughs) Because they're the ones carrying the babies, you know, and we kind of forget about the dad side. And and so I I don't have enough of the father voice in my book, but I do have a couple. um, There's a couple other ones and there's a a longer poem I won't read because it's really long, but I talk about mothers are mothers and fathers are mothers and the community are mothers and our, you know, our earth is a mother. And so that's I have that as that you know perspective in here as well. Well, okay, you might as well read that one. That's an oh, anthem. Okay. <laughs> I will do it. I you will might as well do read it. it. 
<laughs> okay, here I go. I'm doing it. Um, it is. I gotta find it. Cause again, I gotta. I guess I'll just look. I guess I could look at my table of contents. I tried to just go quickly. Okay, it is. Um. Oh my goodness. Where is this poem? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I will find it. It is, it is here. Here, ask me a question and then I'll. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Okay. It's called Mother's Are. <laughs> oh my goodness. Panic. Okay. Okay. Mothers are. Mothers are women who birth their young. They are women who raise babes born from other wombs. They are women who give their babies away to another mother's arms, either by choice or persuasion. Mothers make difficult decisions no one can judge. Mothers are men who decide to stay. With feet like roots, they raise their own babes. Mothers are men who care for their young, who tend to the needs of children who might not be their own, but they stay. They stay. Mothers are community who grow gardens. They seek to plant and feed, to sow seeds of culture and guidance that may or may not come from home. Mothers are community because they spend the most time with our young. The world is filled with mothers who need mothering themselves, mothering from women and men and community, mothering from people regardless of blood, people regardless of baggage or intention, People, regardless of mood or expectation or reciprocation, mothering comes from the sky, independent of storms and weather, impartial of forests or land, both undiscovered and trampled through. Mothering comes from the earth's bountiful belly, birthing a world in need of mothering. Mothers are the earth. There you go. Perfect. Perfect poem to end on. Thank you. Take care. I'll see you in the spring, hopefully. Maybe that before. sounds wonderful. I'm so <laughs> excited about your um, YouTube and have going, you know, more like visual. So I'm so excited. Thank you for allowing me to be your final show heading into your new your new look. I mean, your show is doing amazing right now. Do you know that there's someone online that might have a question for you? I'm going to bring this oh. person on. Sure. Oh my we're gonna be here all. There are more people. There are more people. Okay, let's see. Okay. We'll be here all night long. All right, let's see. Oh. Area code five zero nine. The first three numbers are five zero nine. You're on the air with Elaine. Welcome. Good evening. Hello. Hi, this is Dan. Hello. Can you hear me? I can Hi. hear you. I just, I just wanted to let you know that I was listening. Oh, and, and it's you. been an absolutely delightful hour and 15 well, minutes. Thank you. And you are, <laughs> 15 minutes. Dan is the one, he's my reader. We met at, well, I think we met, I don't know how we met, but I've met him again at a writing conference and he followed my, my books and my poems. And he, um, he's the one that read and made the beautiful comments about the, the man's voice or the father's voice. So thank yes. you, Dan. Yes. Yeah, I didn't really have a question. I just wanted to let you know that that I was listening and I was loving it. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you for your support and your cheers. And I just really appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. Well, bye-bye. You betcha. 
That was nice. Well, it is nice. It's very nice. It's very nice. Well, the other person who, well, they're gone now. We'd better hang up now. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for anyone else who tried to call life. and didn't get through. Um, no worries. Okay, wait a minute. Just, wait a minute. This, this person is back. Hold on. Let's see. Area code 425. Okay. You're on the air with Solis Charles. Good evening. Hello. Thank you for anyone else who tried to call and didn't get through. Hello. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This person is back. Hello? 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 Yes, you're on the air. Hello? Hello? Yes, hello? Here we go, 425. The first three numbers are 445. You're on the air. Hello? Oh, hi. Um, Rock and I had a question. You were asking a lot about the fathers. Yes. Are you there? Yeah, yes, yeah. And I was wondering if the host himself had had um, to give up a child or had been um, adopted because he's very interested in the father's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what was the question? Are we talking about the host or, or the poet? You'd like to hear from me? Yes. Would you like to hear my perspective on fathers? Yes, there's, the a, there's an echo in the background, so I can't. I can barely make out what you're saying. Yes. Uh, well, I will turn down the background because I was All listening right. at the All same right. time, and the timing's oh. a little off. <laughs> so share and that again. Hi, hi, Celine. I love your poetry, and I love both your books. And so, good job. And I've been listening to the show. And was just kind of wondering what the host thought about the father's perspective because he had quite a few questions about it. Thank you. Oh, thank you for listening. So I guess that's you, Michael. <laughs> I still didn't understand what she said. <laughs> wondering what your since you're um you know a man, what's your do you have a perspective on adoption or any you know oh, from what I, I was reading? I, I think. think I, I think that children need love. Yeah. Whether adopted, biological, we all need people to care about us and want us to be in this world. Yeah. And my hope and goal is that people find good people. I don't know. It just it just touches my heart so that I just I want people to feel loved. And yeah. supported and encouraged to to be themselves, so they can grow up strong as young men, women, children. This, that's what I want. That's that's yeah. what I crave. That's that's yeah. all. That's all. Yeah. And so when you talked about the fathers, it just made me think. We don't talk about them enough. That they're part of it too. They're a major part of. It. Yeah. And their stories need to be told. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the good, definitely. bad, and different of that of what happens when we bring people into the world. I'm not yeah. sure whether that answers your question or not, but that's just how I want to phrase it for right now. I love it. I think that answers the question. Does that help you? Right, yeah. Um, yes, and plus, you know, the adoptive father as well, I'm sure, is, you know, just yes. huge in the uh, equation as well. Yeah. Yes, very much so, very much so. Thanks for calling. Powerful, powerful topic. Powerful topic. All right, exactly. we better go. Right. That was my Thank point you for opening up, you know, opening right. up that conversation. So that's what we've All done, right. and I like that. So thank you so much, Michael. 
Well, again, as you see, this here's somebody else. After this person, we offer you area code nine four zero. The first three numbers are seven five seven. You're on the air with Soleil. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Um, Hello. Hi. I'm sure that Celine recognizes the voice. Um, I just want to know how you managed. I want to know how you managed to hold it together and not cry through some of that. I know you said you got close. Um, I had to practice. I choked up a couple of times. This is my sister, everyone, and there's several songs for her. (laughs) Sister, what's your first name, sister? sister. (laughs) I feel like I know you. What's your first name? My first name is Tanya. Hello, Tanya. Welcome to the program. Hello. Um, I was crying listening, so I don't know how you didn't cry reading it. I had to, Tanya, I had to practice. I had to say it took me several times, and honestly, writing a lot of those, I, I literally cried. And I'm sure you've probably picked out the ones that you know from your gut or you. Oh, oh. so in, in all honesty, sitting here, my, my husband and I, um, we we pass the book back and forth because one of us will read something and we'll read it out loud and we'll both end up in tears because we're like, oh, we know what story that is. <laughs> we've, but but there's, there's been just as many glorious times too. But yeah, there's a, there's a it's 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 hard to read it because I'm it, it's there's a lot of that that's my life on those pages and I love it and I'm so so proud of my sister for what she's done and what she's put out there for the world it's absolutely amazing and i know that y'all are running out of time but if at all possible um i just want to hear you read love i could read love if there's there's eight minutes and we're getting cut off <laughs> <laughs> no go ahead we're fine, we're I, fine. Um, we'll end with love all Tanya, right <laughs> thank you okay we'll end with love and then we're done right yes, um, we're done. i will read love and um tanya thank you so much thanks for calling in Thank you. Okay, I love you. Hang up. <laughs> love okay, you too. I love you. I love you All too. Right, <laughs> okay, here we go. Do you want me to read love? Is there time? Yes, of course. Okay. Love. There are no words to describe my full heart pumping like fire, raging like the creek from my childhood where dad took us camping. The bluest lake you've ever seen, as perfect as heaven, I imagine. Mom sectioned the makings for s'mores and Tupperware containers, enough for each night. Sunshine rains like miracles. That summer, I learned to water ski. I don't know how he did it, but Dad turned turned my terror upside down. I learned to fly, an unbeliever, until his miraculous faith pulled me up from the water. Then he winked at me, and that was that. My heart was full. That moment, that wink. My pride burst at seams, though today my heart breached once more, surpassing its borders, spilling over, pulling me above the surface, water's edge like stained glass, when slowly, like the creek emptied mountain snow in my childhood lake, you slid into my arms and heaven winked, I swear it. I wrote that about having my own children after the, you know, that memories of all my life and then bringing life, you know, forth. So there you go. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. And thanks for going extra. (laughs) That's okay. It's okay. This is a good one. All right, everyone. 
as I share with you every time we're together, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, Selene. I love that. Thank you. Good night. All right, everyone. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.